Good evening, everyone, or morning, or whenever it is you're listening to this wonderful podcast. Welcome to Fire Table. I am your host, Darren Redwine, also known as Big D. I am partnered up here on this great podcast with the one and only Hammerhead Tim Nalek. How are you, Hammerhead? Oh, my God. Feeling great tonight. Feeling great. And we also have the one and only Chef Bo. Chef Bo, how are you, buddy? Oh, I am unfreaking believable, man. Well, do it. On. well, welcome back, everybody. We um, are going to push the, the uh, brackets back one week. Uh, yours truly here did not uh, get a tiebreaker on today's call. Whatever. So I will own that in front of all of you, keeping it real, right, and keeping it up front. So we are going to talk about a couple tables today. I'm going to fire off uh, fire table 119. Bo's going to fire off table 120. But let's go ahead and get started with this conversation. It may run a while. It may not. But here is the topic. So I'm going to fire table 119, and that is if you are a current restaurant owner, you had a dining room. Let's let's go ahead and say it's 3,000 square feet and above, and maybe capping out at six. Let's do that. If you that if you have that size of restaurant, which obviously mm-hmm. would mean that you probably have a dine-in, mm-hmm. it's full service because you got to do something with all that real estate. And in the state of the economy of where we're at right now, the shortage of labor, the ever-changing uh, menus that we do, the cost of food that we're going to experience here. If some of you haven't read the latest articles about food inflation, it's going to go up quite a bit. So I hope you're ready for that. Uh, I think you may even heard some stories of me paying $52 just for the two of us to order Chipotle. I don't know. Was that on the podcast, Chef, or is it just I, I a private think, conversation? I, well, it's on the pod that's now, right. but yeah, I was well, there. <laughs> I mean, everyone here about it. That's right, folks. $52 times, for yeah, we did a couple, two uh, people. Um, I was, what was it? I'm sorry, I talked over. No, it was for yeah, Chipotle for two people at fifty two bucks. That that was delivery. Yeah. But and I did uh-huh. eat big, but uh I deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is we also did a couple unboxings too. Yeah. As far as takeout, what that looks like and who's doing what. Mm-hmm. So where I'm going with this is that it, with everything happening and everything that I just mentioned right now. If your dining room is closed, but you're doing a tremendous amount of volume in either a drive-through or pickup and delivery, that's covering all your bills. Matter of fact, you're actually making a little bit of money because you're not paying for staff. Would you reopen your dining room? And we'll start with Hammerhead. Well, I, got, I, I would think right away, my, the first thing that pops in my head is, why wouldn't I, and capture even even more. But having said that, with the co- increased costing in the food and even more with the labor, how much more am I really going to make as a percentage? So the dollar figure may go up, but the actual percentage possibly could even go down with the uh, with the cost of labor. So then I guess I would have to really look at um could i move to a different location and maybe no uh, because you're still in your 10-year lease okay so uh um possibly maybe right now maybe i wouldn't and kind of ride out where where i see things going i don't know I i think maybe if i were to limit my menu and and probably shrink the size of what i'm doing and be able to bring in a little bit less staff i mean i am smart enough to know my my numbers from before um maybe i can keep that labor number down and increase that percentage but great question yeah that's that is definitely something would i stay open i mean would i reopen so okay so pause right there because i am gonna i am gonna ask you to pick but let's let before you pick though i want to hear bo's thought process and then, Bo, you stop before you tell me exactly what you would do. Okay, so my, my thought process is kind of along the lines of hammerheads. It's, it's you really got to weigh it out. It's it, because there's not just about the dollars and, and the percentages that are coming into your establishment, but what is that, what does that landscape look like socially, right? As far as your community, your neighborhood, your your county, your state. I mean. What are other people doing? What is the virus doing? What are people gotten accustomed to? Are my numbers relatively flat to last year, you know, in comparison through the takeout business? Or am I really losing it, 
you know, or am I not? You know, there's a, there's a lot of financial things to take into consideration, but then I got to see like what is really viable and what direction I'd want to go into. Like you, okay, you say I'm in a 10 year lease now, obviously I don't know how to negotiate for crap. Um, you know, being in that long of a lease or still left, um, you know, but man, there, there's, there's many Did things. Fifteen five, so you got a ten. Oh, good lord! Okay, well that wasn't too bad. But so we're I mean, just five years in. We're just five years in. Out the ten before you can pull the out. Okay, um, so obviously I can negotiate. That's good to know. Um, but yeah, there, there's a, many things to consider. I mean, there's the labor pool. Um, have you know? Would I reach out to former employees? Prior, what are they doing now? Where am I going to need more kitchen staff? I probably have to run some theoreticals to see where I would fall. Like, you know, there's food increases that are happening. Um, there's obviously this is right around the time of the year where we all love that wonderful fuel suit fuel surcharge. You know, that comes in on every delivery. I love seeing that at the bottom of the invoice gas, forty five dollars. Like, Jesus Christ, I didn't even drive anywhere. You know, um, you know, so I'm going to kind of I can circle this burning bush for a while, but I'm going to stop right there and, and let uh, Hammerhead pick. Okay, so Hammerhead, it is now September of 2021. And you've received over $450,000 in RRF money that is not required to be spent until 2023. You had to make some decisions with it. What would be, what would you do now? Would you reopen? Would you, what would you do? Okay, so uh, after a little bit of thinking here, I have um, a customer um, that fits kind of exactly what you're uh, talking about. His name's Dino, and um, he uh, he has a drive-through, and he is making the same money almost that he was doing before, and he doesn't in he has the same amount of cooks. He's got a couple of people at the register, but it's all walk in and take out. And um, there's a small spot you could eat outside, but it's only a few seats. And then his drive-through. And I got to think that if I own that restaurant, why would I open? Why would I reopen my my dining room? There's not a point. I'm making the same amount of money. Well, I, he is. Well, he's similar, but he also already had uh, counter service. So we were the difference would be what I presented was your full service. Okay. So you guess you would. So which is a good point. You could convert that with that 450k that the government has given you and convert it to counter service. But even with that, would you still open the dining room? No, I would not. And in fact, I try and find uh, some sort of a, I guess you could call it ghost kitchen kind of thing. I'd find a second concept that I could put in there. Uh, and then I would probably focus on what if I could do some kind of catering and get some more gravy. Okay. So for, so in your case, if I heard you correct, do not do the dining room, but created a second revenue stream in another way. Yes. Jeff Bo, interesting, interesting. I like the ghost concept idea. Um, mine's probably more of, of a long drawn out plan. Is I would, I would not open in the calendar year twenty twenty one. I would in twenty twenty two. Right. And the dining room would look the same. You would. No, no. The I got four hundred fifty k after I take my nice vacation. I come back <laughs> from the Bahamas, right? Um, no, but I would. In that, in in the remainder of this year, I as well would open up a ghost kitchen, right? Limited menu, no more than ten items, um, and I would start looking at rebrand, kind of refacing the restaurant, you know, because obviously when everybody when we got shut down and everybody scrambled there in the beginning, we saw a lot of menus get pared down, right to the core, right. So, and then they probably had to shift a little bit to make those items more appealing to uh, make it more of a value, you know, to the customer so that they would get that repeat business. So maybe the models changed a little bit, maybe the scope of the restaurants changed a little bit, you know, so I would probably lean into that because it's been working, 
right? And then I would spend that money and kind of reface the dining room, less tables. I would probably look at um, which which day part am I doing the best in? Is it breakfast, lunch, or dinner? You know, if I'm full service, obviously at some point I was open for all three meal periods. Um, and well, not then, necessarily. Okay, so let's just say let's just say for the you could be doing full service breakfast, lunch. Well, I was going to go lunch, dinner. Okay. All right. So let's just say full service lunch, dinner spot. Either um, way, you're eliminating a meal period. Yeah. Either way, I'm eliminating. You're eliminating a meal period, and then I would really look at the dollars as far as when does that revenue come in? Am I getting more? Am I getting more at lunch or more at dinner? And then I would really focus on that dining room just being open for that meal period. Still offering lunch and dinner items and the ghost kitchen items for curbside takeout, all that. But maybe just the maybe the dining room itself is maybe just open for that dinner period. You know, so again, I can still save some labor dollars. I'm still open technically. And if the desires there, I have because my feeling is that when restaurants open up, they open up, they want to do lunch and dinner or breakfast, lunch and dinner or you know, whatever it is, but they open up too fast, right? And then they start shutting down meal periods. And that sends a message to the customer that you're closing, right? You can't handle it. You're, you don't have the bodies or whatever. And it could just be that the sales aren't there or, you know, hey, maybe bit off more than you could chew, but all of a sudden you're not the best. You're not looked at as one of the best operators or a savvy restaurateur, you know? So I would create that demand. Like, people want me to open for lunch, then show me you want me to open for lunch, like make phone calls and emails like, oh, man, I really wish this place was open all the time, you know, give me that feedback. And if the customer base wants me open in the dining room for lunch, it may be down the road, you know, but it's because it's got to make sense on the dollar for the labor spend. It just has to make sense. You know, most of these places that are successful have been running profitable, you know, maybe not the 2019 numbers, but they're making money. You know, they're getting money from the government through a couple of different CARES Acts and the RRF Act and all that, which is awesome. But it's going forward, this is kind of the reset, right? The restaurant industry as a whole has an opportunity to reset and then move forward in a more uh, clearer vision, right, if you will. So I would really take the opportunity and really hash down on some stuff and be like, what can, what do I need to do? What can I do? And where am I going to make that profitability? And how am I going to contribute to my city, neighborhood, county, you know, state? I need to set a good example. I need people to feel comfortable when they come in. And all that has to be done. So I would reopen. It just would be 2022. Okay. All right. There you go. That's interesting stuff. Obviously, there's no right or wrong other than if you are not making changes, you're going to be screwed. Yeah. you you sure. got to make some changes coming out of this. And hopefully you've looked at your operation from every single um, angle, avenue. You paid attention to your customer base. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're paying attention to what's going to happen in the market and you're going to get ahead of it. Because if you don't get ahead of it now, you're going to lose a lot of market share. And there's going to be some people that say, well, you know what? I'm only coming there because it's cheap. And then. All of a sudden, six months later, you're going to look at that and go, where's my profit? And you've already dipped into half your savings account and half your uh, RRF money, just trying to stay afloat. And then you wonder where it's all at. Then you'll do the big menu price jump. Mm-hmm. It's going to uh, sticker shock everybody. Yep. And you're going to get a bunch of people complaining and then moving on. I mean, it's just a vicious cycle that we could probably tell you right now what's going to happen if you don't make the changes now. Yeah. And, and operators, you know, for you guys that are out there, it, it's – there are no rules in this, right? There's nothing that says that you have to have the same menu or your customers want the same items when all this is said and done or when you reopen, if you decide to reopen your dining room. This is the time to change. This is the time to make those adjustments and make those changes you're talking about. And if they don't, it it doesn't matter. You don't think for one minute, it's like, oh man, if I take this off the menu, I'm going to lose 30 customers. No, you're not. And don't tell me it was the best seller either. It was probably the best seller because all the other stuff on the menu was garbage, right? Don't get caught in that lie either. You know, yeah. there's this is the time to make those adjustments and make those changes. You just can't sit on your hands and, oh, once everybody once the vaccine numbers hits a certain percentage or here in California, once June 15th happens and, you know, Governor Hairpiece decides to ma- wave his magic wand and reopen the entire state that you're going to go right back to the way it was before. It's not going to happen. There's going to be plenty of people that are going to be scared to come out. There's going to be plenty of people that found a new spot. There's going to be plenty of people that because they started cooking at home, realized that it was better for their health and they're not going to eat out as much. 
And then you're going to have that group of people that are just going to go, you know what? Screw it. Let's go. You know, and there's going to be a mix, but not everybody's going to come out and march back to their local spots right out of the gate. It's just, I just don't see it happening. Okay. But with that said, though, come 2022, mm-hmm. and let's say it's now June 1st, 2022, the whole newness of it all, getting back out of it all, the holiday season is all gone, the Valentine's Day and all that, no outbreak, we're all looking good, masks have been off for quite some time now. Um, do we see ourselves, do we see takeout going away and people wanting to dine in, but you've already re configured your restaurant to where there's no more dine in do you think you'd ever get back to that or you think nope. that'd be something you'd regret doing uh, what do you guys think about that I'll, I'll go first here no i don't think it's going to go back to that i think i think people have i mean look let's face let, you do the hard math it's been a year right and people have gotten accustomed to doordash and uber eats or whatever delivery service they're using to they, I'm sure some people have it timed out. They're like, oh, if on my way home at this stop sign, if I place my order, it's going to be at my door five minutes after I get home. Right. They've got it mapped out. It, it's it's some it's an inbred trait now. Right. It's just a habit we're used to. It's not going away. So I, anybody that thinks that takeout is going away is absolutely wrong. I think it's going to grow. I think there's going to be a more demand for it. And I think you're going to see restaurants that don't offer takeout do horrible. OK. Hammerhead, you got something to say on that last part? Well, I, I mean, I don't think that there are very many restaurants that don't offer takeout. Um, even some of my highest in places mm-hmm. do uh, do offer it. Um, but uh, I do agree with Bo that we're definitely going to see an increase uh, in in that. I think that folks have really seen how they could eat healthier and for less money uh, at home. But I also see that people still need to get out. They mm-hmm. still need to go and do those things um, and, and, and eat from a restaurant because they're not eating at home. I think it's going to be even more important as the numbers start going up with people going out that our packaging uh, gets better because, you know, throwing it in those old styrofoam the uh, to-go containers or even now into those craft um, box style containers just ruins the food. It, you can you can get yourself a good container that will present your food properly. It will keep the food um, fresh or crisp or in the right in the in the right manner that you want it sent home in. And on top of that, you can reheat in those things. Some of them you can even put in the oven. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be important because, uh, how many times have you gotten something at a restaurant and taken it home and it is not what you bought at the restaurant, you know, it's been thrown in there or it slides around in your car from side to side and it messes, you know, it all up. So, uh, I I think that we're going to see an increase, uh, in it, but it has to really be done right to be successful. Otherwise, they'll just get the Yelp reviews on your to-go food rather than what you got sitting in the in the shop. In the diner, right? Huh. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm with you guys. I would not reopen my dining room if I already had a drive-through or counter service. Uh, I think I'd remodel it somehow just to give it a fresher look, maybe a different way of a demographic that I'm going after. <clears throat> so if I'm seeing my sales results or something on uh, – my point of sale system and my website telling me the demographic that has been coming to me. I think I'd double down on that maybe and make it a really cool type of atmosphere where people would want to, if they want to use the dining room, that's fine. But if they don't no, my revenue is going. So the dining room would not be something I would look at as a return on investment right away, but somewhere that I would get word of mouth and people coming through my drive through maybe something to that effect. And then also still, I think that to go is going to be a big deal as well. Cause I see a battle coming in as they try to keep their market share uh, when dining room starts opening up, the takeout sales start to drop. So the delivery service starts to drop. They're going to try to get more aggressive against each other and say, Hey, I'll do it for 28% delivery just to, just to keep going and grab new customers. I think that's going to come down a little bit as well. But I I think it's going to be interesting to see. And I would only do two meal periods also. Uh, Now my next question would be, would you do a ghost kitchen or a third revenue or another meal period 
or let's say a second revenue center on the meal period time that you're closed or when you're open? Open. 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 Labor. Okay. Just shut it all down all day. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, to pay for labor, why am I going to, if, if I'm only going to be open lunch and dinner, why am I going to pay a couple of cooks to come in and do breakfast for the ghost kitchen? Why? Uh, I, maybe there's enough market that you didn't have. I don't know. It's only yeah. two people. So you don't have the front of the house or the manager or anybody else. You just got the two guys. And they're there prepping for lunch and dinner anyway. So maybe they just prep while they're doing the ghost kitchen. I don't know. I was just throwing yeah. that out there to see. But then you got the two breakfast, lunch, doing well. They're there. Mm-hmm. Why not have the, the two guys come in to help close up, break it down, and then just stay there to go ahead and run the dinner ghost kitchen and maybe do some different prep or something to stay active or whatever. If there's I'm just that, curious. That if, just came to me in the conversation. It may not even make sense. I mean, if there's demand for it, then eh. You know, if I see that there's a market void, then maybe. But yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to open it up at, you know, I'm probably going to open that ghost kitchen for hours of operation during my slower period between lunch and dinner. Whatever one's slower, then that's where I'm putting the ghost kitchen. Because labor's already there. Product's already there. Right. Right. You know? But isn't it slower because there's no volume and people just aren't eating at that time? I mean, what would the ghost kitchen Maybe, Maybe my menu doesn't really hit for lunch so i experiment with the ghost kitchen to see if i need to make some menu adjustments in a different way you know because normally you know some people just take the ghost kitchen they're like yeah i'm gonna take these five items from my menu and put it on my ghost kitchen and call it something else i'd really you know branch out you know if i'm just a sports bar then hey man maybe i'll try uh you know uh ramen bowls and, and see and if that takes off it's like okay cool man maybe i need to throw a couple of those on my regular menu and maybe that's what you know crushes it at lunch for me Okay. You know, kind of it's gilding the lily a little bit, but why not? You know? Okay. I'd have fun with it for sure. Tim, you got any other thoughts before we wrap it up and uh, take a break? You know, um, I, I, I liked what you said about, like, you know, when am I going to open it? But I think I'm going to open it when I'm as busy as I can be in both spots to try and maximize that revenue. Like you said, the, the, the labor there might as well, might as well sell it. Okay. Well, good. Well, I hope you guys like that topic. It was an interesting, that came up in a, uh, it was an interesting topic that came up in a conversation today because you're looking at, you know, the staffing thing was the big deal. So some places, you know, you got to close two days out of the week just to avoid that overtime, just to avoid burnout, just to avoid product not being prepared as well as it can. Because when people get tired, the performance, the execution, all that starts to dwindle. And that still is affecting your guests. The guest is still expecting 100% on point food and service and everything else. So the excuse of, well, my staff is tired, it's day seven. Um, you know, I know it's nine o'clock, but these guys have been working every single day and they're just getting tired. It's not going to cut it because you're still asking for the same dollar amount, right? Whether they're tired or not. So it's just something to think about, consider. Uh, I appreciate y'all listening to the call. Hope you enjoyed that topic. We're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. Let's, uh, rock. All right. Welcome back. Here, looking at my sidekick, I got my cue. Welcome back to Fire Table. I am your host, Darren Redwine, and I'm here with Chef Bo. Hey, what's up? And I'm also here with Hammerhead M. We had a, a pretty good conversation. I'm sorry to cut you off, Tim. You there? You guys hello? Yeah, I just said pleasure to be here, man. I'm with two really guys, really good guys I, I just adore. Right, where, where are they? Where, where are those two fuckers? Right, right. <laughs> He's got uh, they're behind him. I know, right? One guy has a talking about his boys. <laughs> So anyway, I am uh, glad you uh, joined us today on this podcast. We we have a really good topic, I think, uh, Table 119, regarding what would you do kind of a thing as an operator. And now we're going to fire off Table 120. And I think Chef yep. Bo had a good table on the top of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's good yet. We'll see. It could be that bachelorette party that's annoying. Yeah, right? It could be the bachelorette party with the penis <laughs> straws. Party. Either one. Either one. Not bachelor. No, LGBTQ+. We lo- it's all good. <laughs> Um, no, okay, so so we're we're running into this, and I hear it. It's made the national news and stuff, and I want to get your guys' thoughts as far as why you think this is happening, and what do you think the industry is going to have to do to entice, correct, uh, gain anything, labor, 
right? Not about the labor spend, but just about getting the warm bodies in the freaking place to fill out a damn application, right? There are restaurant jobs everywhere open right now across the country, right? So why do you guys think that is? And then what are we going to have to do as an industry to entice them to come and apply, keep them at their job, employ them a little bit better? I mean, what, what, what is it? What is the missing ingredient in this bouillabaisse? base? D, you go first. Oh my God. I don't know if you want me to go first. You want me oh, to go? Okay. You want, you want. All right. Then, then let's go. All right. Then hammerhead, <laughs> hammerhead, you got 30 right, seconds. You know, go. I'll tell you what, this is what I'll do. I, <laughs> okay. I will go first because then maybe. Maybe Hammerhead can kind of pick it apart or uh, throw something in there or better yet, add on to it. Because this is something that has been discussed now, I think, between you and I, yep. between a couple other people that I know. And uh, I, I was actually talking to another chef out in New Mexico today mm -hmm. about the same thing. of something that she's actually doing tomorrow morning, which is um, which I'll tell you about in a second here. So the thing is, when it comes to labor and staffing, I along with some other people have personally felt that this has been going on for quite some time. This isn't a pandemic thing. This is something that has been highlighted and focused on because now the lack of people that were working in our environment also got paid to not be a part of our industry and, 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 and not um, work for, you know, the money that they needed to pay their bills to uh, put their uh, well, food on their plate. They just got a check and, enjoyed it and then actually realized, man, the restaurant industry is a hard business and I don't have to go and uh, clean that fryer every single week. I can sit here and collect this check. I don't have to sit here and chop this 50 pound bag of carrots over and over again. Uh, servers are looking at it. It's like, well, I don't need to roll silver and pay up, uh, pay attention to that pain in the ass uh, person that wouldn't even read the menu or look at the menu or the kid that just throws up all over the table, whatever it is. And the parents say nothing. I don't have to deal with any of that. I'll mm -hmm. just go ahead and take my check and, and be at home. So I've always thought that over the last seven, maybe eight years, if you know what, I'm going to go back even longer. Really? I think I told somebody a long time ago, I go, the, the worst thing about the restaurant business is the service level that you get. I go, there's customers and restaurant operators that always cut the corners at the one thing you don't want to cut the corners on. And that's anything that is customer facing, which is the people and the food right mm -hmm. but at the same time they don't want to spend any money on properly training somebody just go ahead and say hey go out there and follow somebody or go out there and uh oscar will show you how to make the menu and things like that and of course oscar doesn't give a crap because he doesn't want to be replaced so he doesn't show you everything same thing sure. with the employee in the front of the house well i don't want you getting my shift so i don't want you outperform me and get my my section so i'm only going to show you a little bit right and I'm not saying every restaurant is like that. Don't get me wrong. But I will tell you right now, I've seen it yeah. and actually lived it for quite some time that people that would do that. And that's probably why to this day I get really frustrated when people mess with people's ability to make money. Either you help them or you don't. But don't sit there and string them along and put them in a worse situation when all they're trying to do is make an income to take care of themselves, which we're all entitled to. So with that said, uh, I think we should have done something a long time ago, but now hopefully this has brought to light what I think we should do, which is somehow get to the younger generation and so show them the right way and the positive things of working in the restaurant industry. It may not be the okay. biggest margins, uh, but man, can you learn a lot working in the restaurant industry? And similar to what we covered, I think, a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. right, as far as would we let our children yeah. work in the restaurant industry, and there is a, a tremendous amount of pluses. The problem is, is that, yes, it still is hard work. There is some sort of, you got to think on your feet a little bit. You have to interact with other people and have a chemistry and think of head, anticipate, um, you know, know your schedule. It changes. Balance, your work-life balance, whatever you got, school or no school or, you know, uh, children or no children or wife or husband, whatever you got, you got to make that balance, right? Right. But what I think we should do is really look at, our education system, similar to what's happening now, even though it's just money related as far as we're going to waive 50000 you know, or Biden saying we're going to waive 50000 on uh, student loan money. And Bernie was running on that campaign of all, not all, 
because uh, I don't want to misquote him. Well, you Bernie people out there. Ber it's all right. Bernie misquotes himself. Don't worry about okay. it. <laughs> all right, good. Well, there shouldn't be any um, student debt at all. Uh -huh. And and then you look at some of these colleges that got millions and millions of dollars sitting in their in their trust funds or whatever mm -hmm. it is that they have their endowments. That's the word I was yep. looking for. That's just sitting there making them a ton of money on interest alone to do what to pay more professors when there's plenty of technology out there that could assist what they're doing. So the job's not getting any harder, uh -uh. right? Um, and then you have your select few. You know, my son's in a college right now that's got a six percent acceptance rate. Well. Why doesn't there could be another school out there that's got access to the same learning materials yeah. with with that's not charging as much money and they're accepting 80% of the people and the education could be just as good with technology out there. Right? Yeah. No, anyway, that's I mean, sure. just an example. I'm sure there's a lot of little layers in okay. there. But yeah, but one with, one thing, one thing real quick is you're making great points, but how do we get the people off the couch to go fill out the application? What does the restaurant tour the owner, the franchise, the company have to do to entice that high school person to want to take a look at this job career field? Or what does we have to do to get that person off the couch, get in the car or go, Jesus Christ, even now, nowadays, just go online and apply? Well, I think this case, so there's two things that were in there. Now, we can't do anything until we take the pacifier out of the mouth. Okay. We, we can't because it just doesn't make any sense for them to do anything as long as okay. that money's coming in. All right. So the next thing would be once we get them off the couch, because we got to now start paying the rent or into the eviction right. process or not, or, you know, hopefully not getting there yet. They've actually saved some money and went back to work. Did the employer, uh, the restaurant person, make them make their restaurant better, similar to the first segment? Are you mm -hmm. now an employer of choice? Do people want to work there? Did you stream down your staff? And the people that you did choose to work in your restaurant, are they taken care of? Are they paid enough? Are they getting everything they need. If a restaurateur did all that, then mm -hmm. you can get up the staff. And then again, maybe you didn't open the dining room. So that core 12 right. people, yes, I'm doing great. So the core 12, I'm going to throw them an extra two to $3 and I'm going to keep them. And then, so what do we do now to keep filling that pipeline mm -hmm. of hardworking people? I think is going to have to start back in the high school years of not just home act, but actually what really happens in the restaurant industry? How do you properly make a recipe and uh, cost out a recipe, serve mm -hmm. it, uh, you know, all the time, temperatures, uh, food safety, all that stuff right. uh, should be taught then. And then the proper way of working line mm -hmm. and everything that goes in the restaurant industry should be happening at that stage. And let's not charge as much as we did in the past with the Culinary Institute, with the AIs, with the Johnson & Wales, the Cordon Blues, yeah. some enormous tuition price where they come out of it in an unrealistic mindset. Point of clarification, though, Johnson and Wales and Cordon Bleu before the original Cordon Bleu, those two never let their graduates come out uh, wearing executive chef colored glasses, if you will. They, they made they made it very clear that and Johnson and Wales is probably one of the best culinary um, institutions out there for as far as teaching goes, in, in my humble opinion. Um, okay. You know, but there are plenty that do your AIs, your you know, even so in, in we that's a whole nother thing we can get into. I'm going to I'm going to just put that ticket at the back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that table later on. But I really like the whole to party hasn't arrived. So they can't be. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. We're going to put a 45 minute wait on them. Um, okay. You know, but but Hammerhead, what do you think, man? What are your thoughts? I think that Darren made a lot of really good points. Um, and when. Um, when you were talking about all the different things that you thought the restaurateur had to do to make those new employees comfortable there, at what cost? So you said about um, uh, paying a fair wage and all, all those different things. So now we're going to have to start raising prices ridiculously high. And all, all of this, I believe, is you know, part of inflation that's hitting food and hitting our industry. They just shut us all down and now they're hitting us with some severe, um, with some severe inflation. Your dollar's not going quite as far. So uh, at what cost? Okay. And we talk a lot about labor here and how we think um, 
you know, those are some of the things that are going to help restaurateurs. You know, why are we making, why are we making some things when we could be purchasing an equal or even better quality product? But it's going to drive the the cost of things up. Um, and to the point in the very beginning, I, I really think that, and you touched on it a little bit. You know, they have a moratorium on paying your rent. I mean, you can go this whole year without paying any rent. And it's some wow, did they extend it that long? This, the really? whole year? At some point, okay, they said it was supposed to be up, but then they ex extend it to June. Mm. Now they're going to extend it till the end of the year. And then okay. those banks that have all those mortgages are going to drop a bomb on people. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be, you need to pay me a giant lump, lump sum. It's going to be you're going to have to pay, you know, double payments. Uh, you know, some of them may be nice enough and say, OK, we'll put it on the backside. But don't think that's really going to happen to everyone. There's going to be a lot of folks. They're going to say, uh, sorry, pay me. And when yeah. you can't pay them, they're going to take your house. They're going to take your business. At some point, landlords for restaurants who own these properties are going to say, you need to start paying me right now or you're out. Mm -hmm. And that will happen. And so as a result of that, there will be a consolidation of restaurants. There will be less restaurants open out there. And it will force those kids and those people, those uh, folks that are working in business, to go out and find other work. And the ones that have survived are going to be the ones that are going to benefit from that, or hopefully. So... When the housing market, when the rental on commercial real estate, when all that starts to come in line and those banks, those lenders start saying, pay me, we will see people get off the couch and start going back to work. But until they do that, there's no reason to. Okay. So um, now we call that now the, the land grab. It's happening right now. Yeah. It is. So, But as a result of all this, the prices are going to start getting driven up. And that's going to drive up the cost of labor. So people are going to start saying, hey, I'm a dishwasher. I want $20 an hour. I'm wow. a server. I want $20 an hour to work. I'm a cook. I'm working in the back. You can't find a cook anywhere around where I live. It's difficult. Yeah. And there are restaurateurs that are saying, owners that are saying, okay, fine, I'll pay you 20 bucks an hour. And it's for the crappiest labor they can get. Because no one's coming in. You can have a job fair. You can run it four days. And you get seven applicants. And none of them are qualified. And they're all asking for big money. Mm -hmm. The only way you're going to be able to afford that is either dumb your menu down so far you have three things on your menu. Or you're going to have to raise your prices. You're going to have a $25 hamburger. But that's coming. Um. So another thing which you talked on and which I totally experienced growing up was I had, when I was in culinary school, I had chefs from some of the best restaurants and country clubs and uh, casinos. They came to our culinary school and they tried to recruit us then. And they came in and they and they said, we'll teach you, you know, you're you're learning the basics. You're becoming a cook. Come here and work for us and we'll work you up into saucier or sous chef or into those things. Uh -huh. And I think we need to do that again. And it goes yeah. to when you were saying um, the young kids, how are we going to get those young kids in? We need to educate them before they even get to the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. educate them about coming in and working here and how it is a good life and how it is. We're basically just rock stars. That's we really right, are. That's right. We live the greatest life yep. working in the restaurant business. Yep. It's hard. It's tough, but it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the money is fantastic. Yeah. You get up there as a server position and you're pulling tips in, you're making, you're making all your payments on, you know, on your life and in, in your tips. So um, I think it is grabbing those kids when they're young and, and educating them. I think it is folks like us who have kids 
encouraging them to, you know, try it out or, or work in it because, you know, I'm sure the three of us have kids that would work hard in the restaurant business, especially because of how hard we did. Um, But I think that there's going to be a lot of restaurant closures and I think there's going to be a consolidation of where there is to eat and work in our business. And it's going to force that labor into the ones that are still open. I think it's at the end. I think it is probably March, April of 2022, when we start to see it all really headed back our way. I mean, look, no one can foresee when that's going to happen, but I think they're going to have that moratorium on the rent and and, uh, making your payments until the end of the year. I think the government will step in and make sure that happens. But then once 2022 comes around, I think all bets are off and landlords will come after folks and you'll start to see that's when I think we'll see. I don't think we've seen anything yet with restaurants going out of business. Well, what about to Bo's point of how do we get him to work now? Uh, I don't think we do. I think we can throw at them. Here's $20 an hour. Come to work. And they're not getting off the couch. I think, Hey, we got a great spot. It's a great mm-hmm. culture. It's, it's a wonderful place to work. Um, and we're going to pay you good. I still don't think they come off the couch. I think I think we go until the end of the year. We're going to go all the way through summer. Hmm. Okay. So you don't even think? Because I, I don't remember. Know. I mean, look. If if it, uh, I have one guy, he's got a he's got a, a new taco shop that's getting ready to open, and he can't find anyone to come in and work. No one. Right. So what? Uh, if I walk in the back of a of a Mexican restaurant, a little taco shop, and say, hey. I got a Mexican restaurant that's opening up the road here and we're paying $20 an hour. Just come on over and work for us. They're probably making what 15 to 18 where they're at now. Uh Are they going to leave? They're leaving where they are and they're going to a new spot. Yeah. Cause I'm not seeing too much loyalty either. Yeah. Right. So then does it all boil down to wages? Is that what it is? And if it is, you're going to see wages increase, but you're going to see a taco, a street taco for $5. Yeah, I think so. Because the actual expectation and what you do on the job is similar to any other restaurant. You're still doing that same work. So, so then so it all boils down to the demand. Don't give me more money than I'm going to take yeah. it. Okay. So fryer's a fryer. Okay. A fryer's a fryer, but I got to pay $22 an hour for a guy to come in and drop fries. Am I looking at it as an employee or employer? Well, that's that's as an employer. If that's if yeah. that's what we're saying is the only way to get someone in, okay. Uh, there was a, a big place that opened in one of the malls, and it's a cake factory of some kind, right? Remember? Uh, they yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, remember, they said we're paying twenty five dollars an hour for cooks, and all the cooks around, even from the casino that's around here, left yeah, to go work, to try and get a job there. They, they overhired like they're supposed to, mm-hmm. and then they weeded out all the crappy cooks. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to do. Okay, so that, that's a great point. So is it that, or are they are we enticing, if we can't afford the $25 an hour, are we enticing the people with some other added benefit? Like maybe it's health care, maybe it's a cell phone allowance, maybe it's a show up to work 10 days in a row and... Get some movie tickets. Is it, you know, is it a give to get type of situation? You know, is there some type of enticement that way? Is that a possibility? Or is it just going to come down to straight dollar amount? Because, Tim, to your point, you make a great point that when I brought up the question I didn't even think about was that there's this moratorium on rent being owed and all that stuff is going to lift. And the minute it does, you better believe the lenders, whoever it is, if it's Vinny at the corner or your local branch bank or your financial institution, they're coming for everything they're owed and the VIG on top of that, right? They got to get it all back, you know, and the more, and the more people that bow out, Hey, somebody else is going to have to pay that off too. So now interest rates are going to go higher because I got to cover this, genius over here who folded up shop and went to Mexico still got to get the money back I mean that that's a great point but is that what's ultimately going to drive the employer to I mean at that point does the employer just go screw it I'm I'm shutting it down to your point because it's almost a double-edged sword it's like yeah at some point that drives the people to get off the couch to go look for a job 
but then are the jobs available? Like you said, a restaurant's going to shut down. I'm going to go to some of my customers and I'm going to ask them exactly what you just said. Maybe there's a give to get. Maybe. Maybe I can pay my people $15 an hour, but I could offer them something else. Yeah. Maybe there's an incentive. If you show up for work every day for every one of your shifts for this month, we'll give you $300. Yeah. Or, or if, something. You, if you recruit, uh, if you, uh, recruit someone to come yeah. here and work and they work for six months, I'll give you 500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, is, is that what it's going to take? Is it, is it going to yeah, take great. being I, more, I, I more creative? I mean, it, it's, well, it's crazy. Go ahead, big D. Go ahead. No, I'd like that. And I think we're already there. I think, I think the grabbing of employees, you should already be having some, some sort of incentive package uh, to get them to stay. The question would be, how can you now then retain them and keep them once that pays out? I like your idea of the culinary school or or the high school um, pipeline from high school to the culinary kitchen, that culinary pipeline. I like that. You know, because I haven't heard much about the the school to prison pipeline in a long time, mainly because schools have been shut down. But I think we right. use that same pipeline and we just redirect them into the restaurant industry. Absolutely. And, so, and I, I think like when they look at it, like it's not just, uh, you know, home economics they learned there. Everything that they learn in the restaurant business, they comply to their home yeah. as far as cooking and food and everything else. So we don't want to sit here to teach you how to bake cookies or a little pound cake. No, but I'd Let's love to teach my really kids how to clean as you go. Dish. What's that? Teach my kids clean as you go, bastard. Yeah, they can clean as you go. They can take that home. There is a skill yeah, set involved absolutely. there that I think has a tremendous amount of value, uh, and it should be looked at as a trade school. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No. Nope. Uh, I mean, if you look at mechanic schools out there, the electrician schools, the plumbers, the welders, <clears throat> those are important pieces of our our economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't need to go to a Harvard or Yale or anything like that. Nope. Matter of fact, I grew up, not grew up, my first home was across the street well, my we was home with my family in San Diego. We lived across from a guy who was an elevator repairman in the union making $28 an hour at the age of 20. Because he went through the, ele- the elevator school and he was in the union and he worked his way up. And you think about it and he's like, wow, shit, I guess there are a lot of elevators out there, aren't there? <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a lot. Yeah. And if it goes down, it, it's a serious inconvenience. So mm-hmm. it probably pays very well to get that fixed. I mean, when you think of just the hotels, the buildings, and everything else. Yeah. Do we? Do you guys know an elevator operator, an elevator repairman? Yeah. How many do you know? One. <laughs> there you go. I know one. I know one. Right. I mean, and he one. can spend the whole day on that one elevator. Yeah. Imagine if you've got ten or twelve elevators now. Oh, and 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 a wrinkle on that. Not only was he the elevator guy, but he also worked on escalators. Okay. And that was a different. That was a that was a different damn rate. So if you think about that kind of stuff, the trade schools can be very very profitable. We all have to eat, so our industry is not going anywhere. True. So we can teach and and show them the cool part. Yeah. I love the way Tim put it: the rock star fun. And I don't mean the '80s rock star stuff. But we hey. probably got some, some serious trouble. Hey, now they could be doing it now, but you know when yeah. things were. Uh, Oh, they are. It's it's no different. It's just no different. Okay. But all more that's sneaky. going down. It's quite the. Uh, a matter of fact, I think no, not all of us. Two mm. of us, matter wise, in the industry, right? Yeah. But not you, Tim. You didn't actually meet her. Okay. So that happens a lot. She's wholesome then. But with what's that? <laughs> she then Tim's wife is wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, I I think um, that's where we need to go. The sooner, the better. Uh, and I think there's going to be a, a real big shift here until that happens. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what we're teaching them to train them to get to that skill level to be develop, earning $25 an hour, which we might be by the time we get the schools back and running and, and turn this around to where it's going to tap out. Because right yeah. now it's a free-for-all. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's getting ridiculous. Ima- imagine if you did have some skills, though. It's like, wow. Well, you know what? Let me ask you this then. I, I'm not sure how much time we have left, but what about some of the the older generation that has all all of this skill, but yet um, and can take over a restaurant? Would you guys? So let me let me see if I can phrase this quickly. You're an executive chef. You've been doing this for a long time, but the last ten years you've been running a property where you did not have to go on the lot. If you were paid a lot, 
what you're making now, maybe a little bit more, but had to work the line, would you take it? How many shifts am I on the uh, line? I would, I, I'd work the line briefly um, to get someone through to train and show people, uh, you know, how to do stuff. But no, I'm not. No, no, not in that position. No. Yeah. Okay. What, what bow? You said how many shifts? Yeah. Three. I would. I love working the line. You do? Oh, yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I lose all track of time and everything on the line. Okay. I, I, it, I just. It, you, you'd want to do that day in and day out? I, before this job, that's exactly what I did. I was your okay. typical, not typical. I was your, um, and not, not only was I on the line, not only was I the executive chef, I was also the director of food and beverage. You know, in your prime. Yeah. And I love working the line because then then I could always say, oh, sorry, I couldn't make it to the meeting. We got a lunch rush. <laughs> Stay out of the so shit bad. I didn't want to do. If I don't want to be in meetings and stuff, I just be like, no, I was on the line. I was cooking. We got busy. Sorry. I don't know what happened. I forgot. It'd be interesting. I, I don't see too many people that could actually go backwards that far if they once they're off the line for more than five years. But I could be wrong. I mean, I'm just going off the top of my head right now, and we're just shooting the shit here. Yeah, big no, balling, but I mean, but I, with that said, oh, you guys have some final comments? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, when I first fleshed out that question, um, I had one answer, one thought in mind, and you guys brought up some great points. So, I mean, obviously, there's you know an ever evolving industry that we all work in, so it's going to be interesting to see where this plays out. Well, thanks for all the uh, candid feedback, the talk, great discussions, good table. Uh, fire uh, table 120 was very good. Thank you very much, Chef Bo. You got it. And we are going to go ahead and wrap up this uh, segment and look forward to talking to you next week. Please uh, come and join us at Fire Table. And uh, you can email bigbfiretable at gmail.com and we'll get to some of your requests and see what else is uh, happening out there in the hospitality industry. But thank you for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Everybody take care and we'll see you next week. Pick up your food.